Welcome to the RE Effect Podcast. It's your girl, Miss Jovan. Today's guest is Miss Brianna Hopkins, an educator in the public school system who has taken her passion beyond the classroom to develop common core champs. Stay tuned and learn all about it. Hi, Brianna. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for being on the podcast. And just to give everyone a brief background, you are an educator in the public school system. And yeah. I wanted to know, why did you decide this career path? So originally, when I attended Frostburg State University, um, I went to school to be a mechanical engineer. And I was um, not very passionate about it. After coming from Poly, um, I really thought that I wanted to become an engineer. And I'd always, I have always been great at math. So I went to college. I was going to be an engineer, but I was extremely bored and very sociable. And anyone that knows when you're in labs in college, you know, you have to be structured and quiet. And I always had the structure down pat, but being quiet has never been my forte. So one of my classmates, um, I was telling him that, you know, I wasn't really sure if I was going to stick with the major and but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he was like, you know, you always help me with math. I think that you should, you know, try being a math teacher. And initially I was like, well, you know, teachers don't really make that much money. And I kept trying to talk myself out of it. And um, I went to the school of education, talked to them, enrolled in one of the classes. And the next day when I came to our last engineering class to let him know that I was changing my major. He was unfortunately killed in a fire the night before. Wow. And so I never got to tell him um, that he inspired me to go ahead and become a math teacher. So I felt like I owed it to him and I stuck it out and it's been love at first sight ever since. I do um, agree that teachers are one of the most underpaid, underpaid me, professions. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for them to bring the salary up, but you guys do more than just teach or educate our children. Right. I agree. I think that online learning, honestly, um, will help people to realize how much work goes into being an educator. And I think now that parents are home with their kids for a majority of the day, they see that it's, you know, much more complicated than what everyone thinks that we do everyone thinks you know oh we're just playing with kids or we're just talking to them during the day but when you know you're repeating yourself constantly trying to keep them engaged trying to make learning fun dealing with a variety of home lives and just different trauma that kids are inflicted with these days um, it's, it's much more rigorous than I think anyone could have ever imagined. And I think that is one of the positive things of COVID-19. Parents really get to see how hard we work. Yes, because I've been the teacher, the principal, the hall monitor, <laughs> the cafeteria monitor, and I've been the janitor. So you, I think yeah. you do have, I mean, I've always appreciated educators, but you, with COVID, you just develop a, an even greater um, level of gratitude for the work right. and, you know, the time that's being put in, especially with everything going on virtually and dealing with, you know, an even greater level of technology. So. Right. I agree. And I think that this will help families to have a little bit more mercy with teachers. I think that um, society has taught us that everything is instantaneous, you know, cell phones, text messaging, 
You can find whatever music you want to listen to. Everything is instantaneous. So I think a lot of families prior to the pandemic, you know, wanted teachers to give their child all the attention or I need to know my child's grade right now. I need this right now. But I think the pandemic has taught them, you know, things are just not, time is not always on your side. And we juggle so much throughout the day. I think people will have much more mercy, you know, when things don't always go well in the classroom, they'll be a little bit more heartfelt. So I think that's another positive with the whole pandemic and online learning. I do agree with that. So speaking of the pandemic, what has been the most challenging part for you, um, if any, as far as teaching is concerned? Uh, I think technology is certainly a challenge. Um, Being in public schools, you work with children that are going through all sorts of walks of life. And I think that school districts um, are trying their best to provide us with the necessary materials and technology. But unfortunately, you know, Wi-Fi in the city is so spotty all the time that a lot of our kids, um, their Wi-Fi signal is not strong enough. So that makes it challenging because, you know, they give up after a while. And I don't necessarily blame them for giving up. I think, you know, when they keep troubleshooting the computer and it's still not working, that's frustrating. So they kind of just check out. I think also keeping kids engaged um, is certainly a challenge because, you know, their bedrooms are right there. The kitchen is always open. They've got toys and new gaming systems. So we're competing with even more than we already were in the school building. At least in school, it's a different type of structure. At home, it's it's much a much more relaxed environment. So it's hard to hold their attention. Okay. It's funny because I was thinking when everything first started with the pandemic and everything, I said, boy, I didn't like it then when I was in school, but I missed those textbook, textbooks and the printout packets. It, was, it seemed like yeah. it was so much more easy to follow versus everything being online the textbooks are online you know information and research everything is literally online so right some things I appreciate that are old school (laughs) yeah and I think this is going to have a long-term effect on everyone's eyesight yes uh looking at that computer all day you know it gives you headaches you're squinting I think the longevity of these children's eyes is going to be way worse than you know the older people who went to school with textbooks and paper and games and more hands-on activities and one of the things i thought about that as well so one of the things just the fyi for everybody if they haven't done so they have some reflectors that you can put like screen protector reflector on the laptops um, or on your computer screens to help minimize um the strain on your eyes so i went and bought those for my children so that they could have it um and it helps reducing that strain from sitting there looking at the laptop all day as as well as you have to factor in most of the kids on their cell phones and other little technological devices so and they have glasses too yeah um they're like blue lens glasses or something like that that help reduce the strain on your eyes too yeah so do you believe it is crucial for parents to be involved with their child's education as well as work with the teacher And if so, why? Um, Absolutely. I think that children uh, manipulate the relationship between parents and teachers when they know their parents aren't involved. It's easy for children to go home and say, oh, Miss Hopkins was mean to me. 
And if your child doesn't know anything about Ms. Hopkins, you know, you're going to naturally defend your child. But I think that when te- when children see their parents and teachers on the same side um, with clear communication, manipulation is almost impossible. And it builds a higher level of respect for the teacher because then children start to look at us like their third parent. Like I have mom and dad at home and, you know, my teacher is just as respected as my parents because, um, you know, my parents take her seriously. My parents back up whatever she's saying. So there's no wiggle room and there's even less room for error. So I think that when parents come to the school and get involved and answer phone calls and, you know, speak with teachers in respectful manner, um, the children then um, follow the same suit that their parents are implementing. So I, I highly recommend family and parent engagement. And I also recommend educators to listen to what their parents have to say, because we really don't know everything either. And collaborating together um, helps to strengthen the child because there are things that parents see at home that we may not see at school. And there are things that we see with children at school that parents you know, might not have any idea about at home. So I think when we just take the time to listen, collaboration is much more impactful. I agree. So in your opinion, you said you work, you know, in the public school system and you also identified some issues with in regard to the city public school system. But in the public school system, what are some things in your opinion that is missing in the educational system and how do you think it can be obtained? Wow, that's a good question. I think that um, resources are definitely missing in the public school system. I think that we focus entirely too much on standardized testing, which and then kills creativity for teachers. I think that we try to um, teach to the test so often so that we're not ridiculed or chastised. Like, oh, your, your students didn't do well on the state assessment. That means that you're not teaching. When that's really not necessarily what that means. You know, some kids are just not great test takers. And a lot of the standardized tests are not designed for our Black children to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're intentionally writing questions that are so obsolete to what our children are used to that they can't make the real world connection. So if we're given a test in Baltimore City, you know, and the questions like Susie saw nine cows, 10 pigs, and a gazelle, you know, children, they can't fathom seeing all that on the way to school, where students in rural areas, you know, might see cows and pigs. And so they get so caught up on that's not realistic that they and then waste time and don't get to answer the question fully because it's an abstract concept for them. I also think that uh, we need to bring back more discipline. I think that the meditation is great and um, restorative practice is very empowering. But I think children need to also learn that there are consequences for all actions. And whether, you know, it's good, positive or negative, I think that we're setting children up for failure by not holding them accountable. And I think administrators' hands are tied, you know, and I think it does start in the beginning at the top with politics as well. But we have to go back to a place where school is more structured and then parents and children will take it seriously. I think that so much fluff has been added to the school system that um, it's become more of a babysitting job than actual learning taking place. I agree with that um, 100% because, well, first with regard to the testing, 
you know, I remember when I was in school or when we were in school, actually, it was the California Achievement Test. Right, right. <laughs> I think I'm telling my age, but. <laughs> right, you're telling all of us. <laughs> right. But I never, as a student, I never understood the need for that test. Once right. I became an adult and, you know, even went into college and pursued my professional career, I still do not understand the purpose for that test because the test and looking back didn't really um, determine or display rather my level of education. And I think even now with this new, and we're going to get into that as well with this common core concept, I think it's like 10 times worse um, as far as the layout with regard to how the California Achievement Test is. And I think it does take away from the creativity because one thing I will say about COVID, it has required teachers to be more creative with their learning and teaching um, patterns to keep the kids engaged, you know. And I have seen some very creative things with teachers um, that honestly, if COVID wasn't there, I wouldn't even know if it existed, you know. And that's, yeah, I agree. And I think that's it the good certainly thing, brought back the creativity. Yeah. But then and innovating new strategies. Yes. And there and with education, as sad as it is, it is a political thing. I do agree that um children need to be held accountable because if you teach them young, then they'll know, you know, as they get older. When I was in school, I was like, Okay, I'm not going if the teacher said be quiet, I'm gonna be quiet because I knew the next time she was either gonna call my mom. Or I was going to have to take a note home to get my parent to sign, and I knew I was going to get in trouble. And now right. it's not like that. It's like, okay, we're going to give chance after chance after chance after chance. And next thing you know, you have, you know, a situation is out of control. Right. And nobody's taking you seriously because it's chance after right. chance. There's no consequence. So there's really no real reason to stop doing whatever the teachers ask you to stop doing because all she can do is continue to ask you to stop doing it. And that's just as far as it goes. I think one of the things that has changed a bit um, with the educational system is when when we were in school, I knew I knew my teachers cared. You right. know what I mean? Like I knew it was a passion for them to make sure that I understood what was being taught, and I knew that at the end of the day, my teacher, you know, really loved me and wanted what was best for me. Now. Right. Not all teachers, but some teachers right. in the system, it's more of a paycheck versus passion. Right. And I think that's I, the, I think that plays a part of it as well. Yeah, it really does. And it, when your heart is not in it, it's time to get out of it. Because at that point, you're not doing anything but a disservice to the children. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, people stay in the classroom much longer than they should because um, I think some people do it for the summers off. And I also think that some people do it because they've been in the system so long that they feel like, you know, they can't really start over. They feel stuck. And I think that people, you know, there's much more that we can do with our degrees in education than anyone ever tells us. And, And we kind of feel stuck because we don't, we think our degree is not versatile. We think, you know, if you have a degree in education, Things all you can really do is teach. It's not like marketing or business administration, but becoming a teacher requires so many skills. You know, it requires you to be a planner and be um, timely and organized and 
work well with others and problem solve. So we do have a lot of critical skills. And I think if human capital offered more career building and resume building and helped teachers make the transition out of the classroom when they've truly had enough, um, we would be able to weed out more people who didn't have a passion for education, but we feel stuck because we don't know where to go next. You know, if you do leave the school system, we don't really have the confidence to do anything else because we've been teaching for so long. So I think that um, if they made it a more seamless transition into the corporate world or to, you know, educating education consultant work, people would take the risk. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there now. We're gonna vote Miss Brianna on for the bo- uh, for the school board. <laughs> <laughs> Do not put me in the school board. I'm just going to tutor full time. That's my next plan. Tutoring full time. So speaking of that, in addition to being an educator, you have created your own business called Common Core Champs. What is Common Core Champs? Common Core Champs is tutoring life coaching, discipline, all wrapped up in a two hour, uh, one hour, twice a week session for um, children in Baltimore City and Baltimore County. It's everything that they don't get in school, whether it's, you know, a boost with their math or sitting down and talking to them and teaching them how to write all their homework down in an agenda and go back and use it in check. It's a break for the parents to Um, take an hour to themselves while I'm working with their children and it's a trusted environment and parents know um, I have their child's best interest at heart. I take the time to really get to know each child on a personal level so that I can contact their teachers and tell them what I see in tutoring and where they you know have areas of growth but you know other areas where they're really rocking and rolling and ways that I help them find the leader that's within themselves. I think oftentimes each child is great at something, but we force everyone to fit in a box. So we never really see how great they can be. And we don't channel those talkative kids. You know, we just want them to be quiet or we call their parents when really, you know, they just need a chance to be a leader to channel some of that social butterfly. So Common Core Champs finds the good in every child but also provides the structure that they could be missing in school. And why did you decide to develop Common Core Champs? I mean, you're already teaching in a classroom setting. <laughs> so you want to deal with the Right, and if that longer. wasn't enough. <laughs> I felt like there was no, I felt like the tutoring facilities are not geared towards the success of Black children. And I think Sylvan is great, um, mathematicians and mathnasium and, you know, all those places are great, but they're not affordable for parents. A lot of parents can't afford to pay $70 for one hour a week. You know, that's just unrealistic. So I wanted to create um, a tutoring facility where parents could afford it. It wasn't like the whole car payment and then your life insurance and you had to sell an arm just to get your kid to go. But I also wanted... Um, our students to feel like it was okay to not know the answer to a math question or it's okay to get help on your reading and not be embarrassed and I provide that safe haven for them to make mistakes because you really only learn from making mistakes you know and I wanted it to just be a fun environment I didn't want kids to feel like oh now I gotta go to tutoring because I'm not smart so I challenged them 
to to outdo me. You know, I don't really have them compete against one another. We compete. I have all the kids compete against me, whether it's their times tables or adding and subtracting integers. Um, if you can beat me, then I usually send pizza to their house because it builds um, healthy competition. And I've got a little bit more tough skin than their classmates do. So um, I've really done a good job. Not trying to toot my own horn, but I have done a great <laughs> job creating champions. You know, I, I teach them resilience and it's okay to admit when you're wrong or when you messed up or if you didn't complete the assignment I asked. I'm big on integrity and honesty. And the kids, um, they grow all around. I mean, I take some of the most troublemaker kids and make them honor roll students because they really just, confidence is half the battle. And when they can believe in themselves and when they have someone that looks like them, that's black and brown like them, you know, pouring into them, it makes a world of difference in their education. It does. And I will say, um, just to go ahead and put the, the sale point in there, um, <laughs> you, your tutoring is affordable. I have, I, I, I had all three of my girls in there. Yeah, so you had all three of them They in typically there. go in during the summer. Um and yep. the beautiful thing that I like about it is that even though they may not be in a tutoring session, let's say during the school year, if they need help with something, you're just like, okay, just tell them to call me. And yep. so it's the, it's a beautiful thing. And then the flip side of it is the discipline because my youngest one was in your class. So <laughs> it's like, I'm like, okay, if you don't get it together, then I'm going to have to call, you know, call. And so the thing is she's on her way to high school. And she literally told her teacher last week, um, I need you to hurry and put my grades in the system because um, my other teacher, I have to report to her what my grades are so that I can, so that yeah. I can get a prize. Like she, and I'm like, you, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, but it's, it built, you build a level of confidence in them and more so the level of accountability to be responsible for what they are doing and what they're not doing. And that's what I, I like about it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's important. That account that accountability piece is important. And if you don't teach kids that when they're young, they'll never be accountable adults. And there's so many adults that play the blame game or or and, and can't just own up to, you know, their mistakes or wrongdoings. And it creates serious character flaws. And then people don't want to work uh -huh. with you. And if you teach kids to have strong work ethics in school, like this is your job. This is what you're responsible for. You need to go every day and put forth your best effort. It teaches them, um, to, you know, to not call out all the time as an adult when you don't want to go to work and, and doing the right thing at work and having integrity. And I think that that's more important than having straight A's because um, networking and your character will take you much further than somebody who has, you know, all A's in the class. And that's important too. You should get good grades, but people are more likely to help you and work with you. When you know, they know that you have a good heart and good intention. Absolutely. Now you did mention that, you know, you reward the children for when they do well, but how, like, do you keep some type of chart or how do you measure the child's progress in common core chains? So each child takes an initial grade level um, assessment. Mm -hmm. So if your child is in the fourth grade, I give them the fourth grade assessment. And then once they complete it, I encourage them, but I don't help them. I'll read the question out loud. If there's a challenging word, I'll find a synonym so that they can understand, but I don't help them solve or answer any of the questions. And then I measure, I have a rubric. And so depending on how many 
questions they answer correctly or what their writing sample looks like compared to a second grader or a third grader is how I determine what group they're in, which is why none of my groups are like, oh, this is the fourth grade group. This is the third grade group. They're all named um, by prominent African-Americans. So my highest group is the W.E.B. Du Bois group. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest group is the Ruby Bridges group. So I might have like a third grader in the same group as a first grader, but they don't know that because I don't do anything based on grades. The kids don't know that. Um, They just know they're in the Ruby Bridges group. And we talk about Ruby Bridges and why she was so important um, to public education for Black children. So um, once I love to take their assessment, I level them and then I place them in one of the groups. And then depending on when they move up, like I have a child who is in the Ruby Bridges group for math, but goes to Langston Hughes for reading. Mm. And all he knows is he's just in two different groups, but he, you know, doesn't know why, because I don't want the older kids to feel like, oh, why is this younger kid here? Maybe I'm not as successful as Ms. Hopkins says I am. So I base everything off um, generic names like that. And when the kids do well in their spelling bees, I allow them to either pick a prize from Amazon, they get a $10 limit, or I send dinner to their house. So they pick between buffalo wings and pizza or Chinese food, and I let them make the decision. Um, And I don't believe in everybody gets a trophy. So if you didn't, you know, get the highest grade, like, or you didn't pass the spelling bee, it's okay. We just have to work harder next time, but I'm not going to send you something to pacify children, because I think that's another way that we're failing our kids. We're giving them too many E's for effort when we need to really base things on their performance. Yeah, so. that's, that's that kind of reminds me of the new grading system. Um, I know in Baltimore County, they have pretty much in this whole no child left behind um, right. situation. That's a whole nother. <laughs> right. A whole nother, a whole nother ball game. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I, I think you do an awesome job um, with the kids, with motivating them, building up their confidence, educating them. And the other thing I like about the groups is that, like you said, most of the time you go in a classroom, you have all fourth graders in the classroom, but everyone is not performing right. at the same level. Um, I do think at times our classrooms are overcrowded in the public school system. So it's hard to focus on, let's say, group B, who may not be as advanced as group A, but and then you have group C who is like really far behind for whatever reason. So it's hard for one teacher to try to break it down on three different levels for, let's say, 35 to 40 kids in the classroom. Um, Right. Me personally, and I'll go ahead and put it out there because I can say it. You probably can't, but I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out what happened to the money from the casino that they brought in that was supposed to go into <laughs> the education system. So when I when you mentioned earlier political, yes, it's politics in it. I personally don't see where that money has fully been put into it. Maybe some of right. it might have been, but I just don't. I don't see it. And when you go to, um, like, I've been into seeing different counties. I've been in the how I mean Harford County school system, public school system, and I've been in Baltimore mm-hmm. City. It's a difference. Yeah, it's a night and day it's difference. It's a big difference. And the sad thing about it is it's only like a 45 minute ride, but it's a difference. Yeah. And even in being in I've went to a public school, I mean a private school, just for a summer camp. It's a major, major difference. And it shouldn't be when education is simply 
education. It shouldn't be, okay, because of this particular status of where you live is going to determine the quality of education that you yeah. receive. Yes, and that's why the, um, the, the gap between social economic classes and races will always be so large mm-hmm. because so many people believe if you live in a, you know, less, what's a polite word to say? If you live in a neighborhood that is not as nice as some other neighborhoods, you don't deserve a high quality education or your teachers don't deserve as many nice resources because people feel like, oh, they're going to tear them up anyway. Or, you know, they don't take their education seriously anyway. But I don't feel like that's for someone else to determine. I think that, you know, everyone should have a high quality education and we should stop purchasing part of the curriculum you know oftentimes school districts are only purchasing what they can afford but if we can't afford the entire curriculum and all of the resources and pieces you know that's just not the curriculum for us because then teachers have to recreate the wheel again and that's exhausting for us as well so I think that we just really need to reallocate the money and you did bring up a good point about the casino (laughs) and I don't think I can get too much into that but I do agree and would love to know you know just where some of that money is going and you know I have family down in South Carolina and their um, lottery system is solely for the education system and you can tell how modern their schools are and you know just how well the kids are doing in school down there because their government did exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, they created the lottery for the education school system and that's where the money goes. And you can tell that's where the money is going. Yeah, it's it. So I think we just need to do better. It's a noticeable difference. And that's the thing about it. And, yeah. and I think it's sad that it's that noticeable that you can tell, Yeah. you know, the difference. So you are busy teaching <laughs> during the day <laughs> and still doing tutoring yes. in the evening. And I know you said it was a passion, but at any point, have you ever wanted to just walk away from it and do a different oh, career absolutely. <laughs> Monday through Friday, <laughs> I ask myself, why am I doing this? And then I see a light bulb go off in a child's head or, I, you know, a child comes running to me with their grades. Like, look at this, look at this. I'm passing. I'm you know, not failing anymore. And then it makes it all worth it. So I often tease my family and friends and say, I'm just going to go work for the government. You know, I don't need the summers off. It's cool. I'm going to be a government employee, sit at a desk. But then I quickly realized that's probably not for me either. And I enjoy the relationships with the kids and having them come talk to me years later and still tell me, you know, you're still my favorite teacher and, you know, bring up some funny times we had in the classroom. So I don't think I will ever leave completely. Um, I know my classroom days are slowly coming to an end. Um, well, I wouldn't say slowly, surely coming to an end. But I don't think I will ever completely leave education. And my long-term goal is to um, be able to have Common Core Champs full-time. So right now I'm getting another degree, a master's degree in curriculum instruction with a concentration in social justice for education. Um, at Loyola University. So once I am finished that, I hope to open up an actual facility for Common Core Champs and do that. Well, whatever you do, I hope you just stay in there (laughs) because (laughs) our children need teachers like you. There is very slim nowadays that we have that. So whether you're going to be in a public school setting or if you're going to do, well, not if, but when you open Common Core um, full-time, I just hope that you, you know, stick in there because 
it's some child that's actually benefiting. And I can't even say it's one because it's several. Several of the kids who I know <laughs> who you. have been in your classroom or have been in your tutoring program, they have benefited tremendously. And I personally have seen them um, grow. You know, it's certain teachers you through high school. And that as a parent, you know, okay, I know they're in good hands. Unfortunately, right. you know, you guys have certain grade levels that you teach. But it's just right. certain, you know, just like their pre-K teacher, I was like, can right. I can I just bring you along <laughs> for the ride? Because some teachers, they just have right, you know, it's, right. it's in their heart. It's just their gift. And then you just, like I said, you have others. It's just like, okay, when is the school year going to be over? <laughs> but So right. what advice right. would you right. give to an individual who wants to pursue a career as an educator? Don't take everything personally. I think that we often take, you know, when kids are having bad days or parents are real snippy or, you know, might even curse you out. I think that we have to realize sometimes it really is true that you hurt the ones you love the most. And I think that oftentimes we get the blunt of, of everything with kids because we're that trusted adult. So if you have tough skin and you can understand that you're really not the problem, you'll have longevity in the profession. I also think that when people, if another person, if I knew anyone that wanted to be an educator, I would also tell them, build strong relationships with your parents. And some of your administration will love it, some will not. But I think that when you have the parents on your side, um, anything is possible in the classroom. And not to get so hung up on, you know, having perfect standardized test scores, but to really make a difference in the child's life, whether, you know, even if they don't understand the math curriculum, help them to become a better person because society and life is already hard enough that they don't need to be stressed out every day in your class. So tough and what, skin just to cover, and what kids. grade level does Common Core Chance service? Okay. Um, first through 12th. I have hired, I have two, two tutors that work with the high school math kids. I do all levels for reading okay. um, and I stop math at seventh grade. So we service all grade levels, except for kindergarten. <laughs> We're not there yet. I don't think we'll ever be at the kindergarten stage. Um, they're just a little too squirmy for me and I might hurt their feelings. But first grade, when your child is six, you can give us a call. And we will definitely enroll your child um, in Common Core Reach out to you if they want to um, contact you regarding your child for Common Core. Your child, you can email me at common c o m m o n core c o r e chance c h a m p s at gmail dot com, or you can call or text me, and my telephone number is nine four nine. 610-2823. Well, I would guys, love to I highly recommend child. if your child is struggling or even if they're not struggling, you just want to help increase their um, educational level and their confidence to reach out to Miss Brianna with Common Core Champs. She is a great teacher. She knows what she's doing. Um, and your children will love it. They really will love it. And as a parent who um, had a child in her classroom, I can honestly speak from experience and not just to promote um, what I don't know. I'm telling you what I know. It works. It helps. She's good. And she has a passion for it. 
So I just want to thank you, Miss Brianna, for being on the call and on the podcast. I appreciate yes, it. Thank, thank you. you for having me. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. I do want to take this time to apologize for the slight technical difficulties that we had during the interview with Miss Brianna Hopkins. And just to reiterate, she has a great tutoring business going on with Common Core Champs. I do hope you guys reach out to her if your child is in need. She will be able to assist you, provide the resources that are needed so that your child can grow and be a productive citizen in our community. My word for the week is actually two words, and those two words are thank you. Let's take this time, especially during this difficult year with COVID and everything that's going on, to simply just let our educators know that we appreciate them and we um, are grateful for the seeds that they are planting in our children, the positive seeds that they are planting in our children's lives. Let's join them in this journey to help build better students and better um, men and women later on in our society that we will definitely need and greatly appreciate. So again, when you see an educator, be sure to just simply tell them thank you because we appreciate their sacrifice and their service to help build a better community.